Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Straight Shooter Recruiter. I'm Emily, a recruiter by day and a podcaster by night. And today I'm in a bit of a weird mood. Usually my podcasts are pretty structured. They have a fair bit of information. I usually have a bit of a script outlined. And today I do have that, but I'm just in kind of a chatty, casual mood. So I hope you're cool with this information being a little bit more chill, so to speak, with how I deliver it. If you like this format more, let me know. If you don't, let me know too. The best way for us to connect is on Instagram, which is at emily.b.recruiter. And speaking of Instagram, that's actually where I decided what this week's topic was going to be. I hosted a little poll on Insta stories and unanimously, you guys wanted to hear more about imposter syndrome and how to get over it and also how it impacts your work. Huge subject. And it's one that I get asked about a lot. And honestly, I feel like I'm kind of an expert on it and not because I studied it or have all of the answers, but because I honestly experience this all the time from when I was a kid to university to even now in my career. So really wanted to spend a bit of time on it. And if you're interested, this is the episode for you. So we're going to kick off with starting to understand what imposter syndrome actually is and how it can really damage your career if you don't do anything about it. But before I give you that actual definition and some tips, I actually want to read someone's experience that was written online in a BuzzFeed article with their interactions and experience with imposter syndrome. And I know BuzzFeed is not the most legitimate news source, but we're just going to let that slide. So this person, their name is Sophie, wrote, I experienced imposter syndrome through my entire degree and my master's degree. I'd get sleepless nights thinking that I failed and let my family down. I had multiple breakdowns, even though I consistently got good grades. People would think I was covering my back by saying that I thought my work was awful. It really used to frustrate them. They probably thought I was attention-seeking. In actual fact, I just had no ability to see my own strengths and talent. This next quote was also listed in that BuzzFeed article, and it reads, I'm in the fourth year of my physics degree, and so far I've got grades in the top few people in the year, each year, yet I'm still convinced that this year I will fail. I feel like I'm suddenly going to be found out, that I'm only good at learning stuff for exams, and that my master's project is going to expose me, that I actually have to work independently on it. It's not fun always feeling like I'm struggling to get by. Another quote was, I have trouble charging for my work because I feel like a four-year-old asking someone to buy my macaroni art. Okay, we've got a couple of quotes out of the way to give you some perspective, but what actually is imposter syndrome? So imposter syndrome refers to the internal experience of believing that you're not as competent as others perceive you to be. Basically, that you've gotten to where you are out of chance or good luck and not actually because you know your stuff. This first became a studied subject in 1978 by two psychologists named Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes for their paper. Their paper was titled The Imposter Phenomenon in High Achieving Women, Dynamics and Therapeutic Intervention. At the time, their running idea was that this syndrome only affected high achieving women, but since then, this has kind of been debunked. Specifically, Pauline Clance, one of the psychologists who wrote this paper, had conducted additional studies and concluded that imposter syndrome is really for everyone. 
She also put together a pretty interesting test to see if you're a part of the unlucky 70% of people who experience this. Personally, I'm not taking the quiz. I don't need the quiz to tell me that I have imposter syndrome. I literally am the poster child for it, but we'll talk more about that later. The crux of imposter syndrome is that you can't actually internalize your own success. I'm going to read an excerpt from impostorsyndrome.com because apparently that's a thing, because they perfectly explained it. So here's what they said. Imposter syndrome goes beyond a lack of confidence. Everyone experiences bouts of self-doubt from time to time, especially when you're trying something new. But because these imposters have insanely high self-expectations, their self-doubt is chronic. It's also possible to doubt your abilities without believing that you ultimately succeed because of some sleight of hand that you're fooling others. A person could have normal jitters before, let's say, getting up to give a speech, and then they do well. So from that, they draw from this experience that they'll feel more confident for next time. But imposters don't think this way. Because no matter how well you did or how loud the applause was, you find a way to explain that away. For example, you might say, it was a great audience, they just liked me, or I fooled them again. So wins don't produce any real increase in confidence. See, there's no way I would have said that as eloquently as they did. Definitely check that website out, but I am shocked there's a whole website just dedicated to imposter syndrome. What I didn't know is that there's actually five different types or subcategories of imposter syndrome. And honestly, initially, I was not going to leave this in the episode, but I resonated with them so deeply that it felt like a disservice to leave them out. The first one is the perfectionist. These people focus on how something is done, how the work came to be, and how it turned out. One small error or flaw puts these people to shame. These people set unrealistically high goals for themselves, and if they miss it, even by a hair, they consider it a failed mission. They're always convinced they can do better. The next is the expert. This person focuses more on how much you know. You expect yourself to know absolutely everything, every little detail. Even a small gap in knowledge will bring them to shame. They believe they never know enough. Next is the soloist. They care most about who completes the task, and to them, it only counts as success if they did it by themselves, so they never ask for help. Healthy, right? (laughs) Next is the natural genius. They believe that their intelligence or competence is measured by ease and speed. So if you were ever going to need to take more time to learn something or to perfect it, that would be a failure. It needs to come naturally to them, or they don't think it's going to come at all. And the last one is called the superhero. These people feel like they're fakes running amongst legitimate people. They feel like they're always the odd person out. So to compensate, they work extra hard and longer, and they try to push out more work. They measure their success by how many different things and roles they can juggle at once. You can definitely be some combination of all five of these. For me, I think I've always aligned most to the perfectionist. And I think when people meet me, they assume that I'm really confident and secure in the work that I do. And to some extent, that is true. I mean, objectively, I know that I know my stuff, but I would be lying if I said I didn't beat myself up over every little mistake at work or with this podcast. I obsess over small details. I'm a control freak with my work and duh, a bit of a perfectionist. 
My mom always tells me stories when I was about six or seven years old about me coming home crying because I colored outside of the lines during art class, or me being so stubborn that I would spend hours on my homework until it was perfect, even as a little kid. And that stuck with me heavily in high school. I put so much pressure on myself to get straight A's and be involved in all of the student clubs. So much pressure that I would often skip out on seeing friends or sleep to work until things were perfect. And honestly, I guess now that I'm thinking of it, I had a bit of a superhero complex then as well. I wanted to do everything and to do it perfectly. I was in school plays and was student council president, drama council president, and president's council president. Like, what does that even mean to be president's council president? I would worry myself sick over trying to be the best at everything. And yet, I still believed that I was always the dumbest person in the room, or was only getting into good schools or good jobs because of luck. I think in university is when I realized that this way of living wasn't going to be sustainable. So I decided not to join any clubs and just focus on school. And it did help, but it didn't stop me from obsessing over being perfect academically. And again, not fully believing in myself. And when I think about my first work experiences, this sense of me not feeling qualified for anything really haunted me, especially with my first internship. I was a marketing and social media intern for a Toronto-based fashion magazine. I would review beauty products. I would write about breaking fashion news. It was such a sweet gig. It was so much fun. And at the time, all of my friends and family would ask about my work there, and I would instantly brush it off by saying things like, oh my god, I don't know how I got that job. It was total luck, or I have no idea what I'm doing. And that same feeling has followed me through every job I've ever had. And frankly, I don't think it's ever fully going to go away. It's those thoughts that I had had, even when I got my first job as a recruiter, I remember thinking that it was pure luck and that I didn't know what I was doing. And I especially felt it when I got my job offer for my current role at Intuit. It was a promotion and a step up from my previous recruitment role at the large bank I was working for. And honestly, I did have significantly less experience than the job description called for. And I was convinced that I just got lucky. I spent the first few weeks in this job so worried that people would agree with me and that they would see I was some underqualified kid pretending she knew how to build a recruitment program. And it wasn't until recently when I realized that I actually did all of the things I set out to do, that I don't get to discount my own hard work and potential. I would never tell a candidate that they only got a job because of luck. So why was I doing this to myself? But honestly, my imposter syndrome didn't just up and leave after a few months on this job. I had to put in some serious work to believe in the kind of things that I was achieving. And there were tactical things that I did to help. A lot of it for me was just faking it. I faked confidence. I pretended that I never doubted my own skill. And eventually, I kind of started to believe it. But I'm also lucky enough that I have friends and family and coworkers who make me feel like I'm pretty good at what I do. But I have to call out, though, that everyone's experience with this is going to be really different. And race plays a big role as well. I recognize that as a white person, my experience with doubting myself and my skills is not going to be the same as a person of colors for a variety of reasons, but especially when you think about access and privilege. Statistically, imposter syndrome hits harder for Black, Indigenous, and persons of color. I actually found a great quote online I'm going to read for you right now. It says, for people of color, 
Imposter syndrome isn't just an imaginary voice in our heads. We receive almost daily messages from society that we don't truly belong. There are some other notable factors too, like gender. Women are more likely to experience it. And also, interestingly enough, your birth order can impact it. There's this theory that firstborns are going to perform and behave a certain way in order to be a good example for their younger siblings, and that this follows them throughout their career. I don't know how true that is, but I am the oldest of three, so there might be some fact to back that up. But here's why this topic is more than just a small confidence issue, because it's legitimately going to hold you back in your career. For starters, there is a correlation between imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and anxiety, and it also has some pretty nasty impacts at work. Carla Lundenblade is a clinical therapist, and she said that imposter syndrome can really lead to one of two outcomes. You're either going to be such a perfectionist that you procrastinate all of your work and fear that you're not going to achieve what you want, or you're going to overwork yourself and then burn out, neither of which are great options. But you're also going to miss out on opportunities. For example, we know that women only apply to jobs they feel 100% qualified for. You may not be then applying to the jobs you deserve. You might be too humble in interviews. You might never ask for that promotion. I could go on about the list of impacts forever, but at this point, I'm sure you get the gist. It will impact everything from the jobs you apply to, to the fact that you might not speak up in meetings that will ultimately damage your career. So now what? How do we fix this? And honestly, there are a million different answers online about what to do. Some tips are really practical and others are really ridiculous. So in no particular order, here are the ones that I think I'm going to use the most and that will hopefully help you the most as well. This first tip is one that I saw listed on every single online resource. So it seems pretty legit and I think I can get behind it. It's getting to the root of where these expectations come from. Is it pressure from family, friends, or your partner? Or is it 100% just from yourself? From there, you'll actually be able to navigate and start to manage those expectations where you can. You can make yourself or the people around you understand that nothing and no one is perfect. Or at least it's a start. The second tip is reframe your thoughts. Yeah, I know that's easier said than done. I really feel like this piece of advice might sound a lot like, to stop imposter syndrome, just stop feeling like an imposter. But can you hear me out? I promise this is a good one. So these thoughts that you're a fraud or that you're underqualified are naturally going to pop up in your head. But it's all about what you do with them. Do you feed into them? Do you believe them? Or do you acknowledge that this is just a passing thought Do you remind yourself that this is negative self-talk and it doesn't make you stupid or unqualified? It's just a thought, it's just a feeling, and it's not a fact. Will you let yourself work 15 hours on a single essay to make sure it's perfect, or will you stop yourself at 10 to make sure you don't burn out? The third and final tip is talk about it with people. Talk to people who care about you. Share your fears and try to share your success. Get into the habit of being proud of yourself, but also sharing when you're feeling a little bit low. And again, I know this is easier said than done, but just in my experience, these little tips, as well as starting to fake it till you make it, has really helped me believe in myself more at work. 
Did I just crack the code and solve all of the world's problems pertaining to imposter syndrome? Probably not. But what we did do is start a conversation and hopefully gave you a little bit of a sense that you're not alone and that there are things we can do to get a bit better and believe in ourselves more. In my personal experience, believing in yourself is going to be a lifelong journey. I don't think I'm at the destination or that I ever will be. But when we have conversations like this, it helps us pick up tips and tricks and speak to people who are in similar situations as us. And I know that working on this stuff is way easier said than done. It's so simple to fall into a cycle of not believing in yourself and not thinking that you deserve a seat at the table. It's not what you think you are that holds you back. It's what you think you're not. So apply for that job. Speak up in that meeting. Ask for that raise. And stop believing that voice in your head that tells you you can't. Not knowing something doesn't make you a fraud. It makes you a student. How have you guys been dealing with imposter syndrome, whether it's at school or at work? Let's have a bit of a conversation. I'm curious if there's any tips or things that helped you get better at it. Selfishly for me, because I know it's something I'm going to deal with for many, many years to come. But thanks so much for hanging out with me. I really appreciate your time and I'll see you next week.